time I remember you. In all my prayers. For all of you. I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now. Being confident of this. That he who began a good work in you. Will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you. Since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. To the glory and praise of God. To the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Good morning, Ethos. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors over at our Marathon campus, and I'm just so glad to be here with you today. Um, I want to invite you to to grab a Bible, um, turn to Philippians chapter 1, pull out a notepad, something to write with. Love for you to take notes uh, this morning. Um, If if this is your first time joining us, man, we're so glad that you're here. If you're part of our family and you're with us every single week, man, I wish I could see you um, in person, but I'm so glad that we get to jump in at the time of teaching in, in God's Word this morning. You know, for the past few weeks, we've been um, talking about what it looks like to not just survive in this time, but but how to thrive. And this morning, I want us to take some time just to talk about what it looks like to live selflessly in the face of uncertainty. Um, What it looks like for us to live selflessly in the face of uncertainty. You know, um, the the past few weeks, I don't know what it's been like for you, but my kids and my wife and I, we've been spending a lot of time outside. And I've started to see neighbors that I didn't even know lived in our neighborhood, right? As people are just kind of out walking and, and going a little stir crazy. Um, the, the, this past week, you know, one of the things that my kids and I noticed is that that every week there's this red car that that drives in front of our house, and you know we kind of live right next to six acres of woods that our neighbor owns, and, and all these animals live in the woods, you know, deer and foxes and owls. It's really fun for us to get to see all the time. Um, but our, our neighbor started to you know drive by every week, and we're like, man, that's a little suspicious. Like, why does the same car come every day? And so you know we started to to I'm like, I need to go talk to them and make sure this is just like a weird situation, and and so I walk up and it's this couple that are in their 70s, maybe in their 80s. And, and what I learned is that the, the, the lady is driving the car and she's driving her husband around. Her husband has Alzheimer's. And every single day, you know, they've been married for like 50 years. She, you know, she gets him out of the house and just drives around the neighborhood um, just to mix it up. And, you know, she walks up to us and our kids every uh, week and she's like, hey, have you seen the deer today? And, and it's just kind of this reminder, you know, I, I, as, as I left and drove down the road, I'm just going, man, that is, that is a picture like 50 years into marriage and when things get hard, you're still laying down your life. You're still serving. You're still living a selflessly. Isn't it true that there's something about seeing someone living a selfless life in the face of uncertainty that just speaks to the deep places of our hearts? You know, the psalmist in Psalm 42 says this, that that deep calls to deep. And, And when you see someone living selflessly, it just speaks to us like nothing else can. You know, it's the reason why last week watching the video of what Brett and Danae are doing at the cookery or or seeing what P.S. and Jay Sheree are doing in India right now, there's a reason that that speaks deeply to our souls because we're made to live selflessly in the face of uncertainty. 
Um, you know, it's been so fun um, getting to see your generosity over the past few weeks. We have set up this family relief fund, right? And we said, hey, we know that many of you have lost your jobs and you've lost incomes. And part of the church's job is to take care of people. And so many of you have reached out to us and said, hey, we want to give to help take care of our family. We don't know people that are personally impacted, but, but we want to bless people in our church that have been. And so, you know, last Sunday we took up this special offering and, and the past few weeks you've given $86,000. Just think about that for a moment. Like the, the face of uncertainty is like, you don't know what's going on around us. You know what the economy is gonna do and yet you choose to keep living selflessly and I'm going, come on, that is amazing what the things that God is doing in your heart. Or I think about um, one, one of my friends, Caleb and his wife, Lauren, you know, he sends me a text on Wednesday night and he says, hey, we just got our stimulus check today. He said, do you know of any couples in our church family that both of them lost their jobs? We wanna take some of what we've been given and, and, and go to help them. And I'm like, guys, this is amazing. When you see selflessness in the face of uncertainty, it stirs something deep in our hearts. I'll tell one more story. And, and uh, you know, so we, we found out about a guy in our church family that lost his job. And so whenever that happens, we try to be incredibly proactive about reaching out to see how we can help. And so. One of my friends on the team, he, he calls this guy and he says, hey, we, we have this family relief fund that we've, we've set up to help people in our church family. And, and the guy on the phone calls like, man, that is so awesome. I would love to give towards a family relief fund. And my friend's going, no, I didn't call to get a donation. I called to see how we could serve you. And, and he's going, no, man, I've got savings. I'm fine. I don't need anything right now. Here, take some of my money to help take care of people in our church family. And, and there's something about seeing selflessness in the face of uncertainty that just speaks to the deep places in our hearts. It's why I love the book of Philippians. Philippians. You know, Philippians is actually a letter. It's a short little letter in this big book, but this guy named Paul uh, wrote this letter to this church um, in the city of Philippi, church that he started, church that he planted, people that he loved. And, and what's so neat about this letter is that Paul is writing it from prison. And he's not in prison because of, of murder, and he's not in prison because of, of fraud, and he's not in prison because of uh, any, anything scandalous. He's in prison because of the way that he lived out his faith the way that he lived out his love for Jesus. And, and so this morning, you know, we're, we're not on lockdown, we're not in prison, right? But a lot of us have been, like we've lost some of our freedom, we've maybe lost some of our job. And so this morning, I don't know if you're like me, but I've spent a lot of time the past few weeks thinking about me, uh, thinking about what I need. And, 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 and this morning I go, man, I wanted to shift our focus and, and help us learn from our brother Paul of what it looks like to live selflessly in the face of uncertainty. And so um, this morning, I wanna walk us through kind of three quick ideas. The first idea that, thing that we learned from our brother Paul is that, is that Jesus held the premier place in his heart. That Jesus held the premier place in his heart. And so you see this starting in verse 21. This is what Paul writes in Philippians chapter one. He says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yeah, what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Did you hear that? I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. And I go, man, how many of us right now, if we could have anything, the thing that we would have is, man, I wish I could be with Christ. You know, some of you moms, you've been in your house with your kids for six weeks, and you're like, man, that's exactly what I want right now, right? That's the reality for some of you. But I look back on a lot of my life, and I've gone, you know, I, 
I, please don't come back, Jesus. Like, I don't wanna die yet. Like, let, I wanna go to college first. Like, I wanna experience that life. Or, or I wanna get married. I wanna experience the, the bond that comes in love and just walking with a person for the rest of my life. Or, or don't come back or don't let me die until I have kids. And, 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 and for maybe for you, it's like, man, don't let me die until I retire or, or until I have grandkids. And, and yet we read Paul's letter. He's sitting in prison and this is what he writes. I desire to depart and be with Christ. And I go, how did he get there? You know, you look back on the rest of Paul's life leading up to this point, and, and the reality is that his whole life wasn't marked with this, this zeal, this desire for Jesus. In fact, a lot of his life leading up to this, it was, it was very much against Jesus. He wasn't just apathetic. He was against the movement of Christianity. He was doing everything that he could to stop Christians and to stop the, the furthering of the, the movement of Christianity. And, and then there was this moment that happens where, where Jesus literally meets him in all of his sin, um, in all of his opposition and in all of his ignorance. And Jesus doesn't meet him with condemnation. You know how Jesus meets him? With his kindness and with his grace and with his mercy. And there was something about Paul being met by the living God and, and not getting this lashing or this tongue lashing or this punishment, but just love and grace that wrecked his heart. And, and you look at the rest of, of Paul's life, man, and it was just this journey where he thought about and he wanted Jesus more than anything. And I go, man, maybe this morning you go, I don't want Jesus more than anything. But what we learned from, from our brother Paul is that it's actually possible. You know, have you, have you ever been around someone that, that Jesus really did have the premier place in their heart? Like more than anything, that that person loved and they lived for Jesus. You see, it has this way of, of, of impacting the people around us. Think about my sister, Connie Bates, and um, Steve and Connie are part of our church family, and, and we were in a house church, Courtney and I, and our kids were in a house church with them a couple years ago. And we were in their house, in their living room, and I remember Connie just made this statement. She said, you know, if, and this was, wasn't her exact words, but this was a sentiment of it. She said, um, if, if I don't get two to three hours with the Lord um, every morning, it's, it's just a frustrating day. <laughs> and I'm like, what? How many hours did you say? Like, and, and what I realized is that Connie had experienced something with Jesus that I hadn't yet. That, that Jesus had the premier place in her heart, that of all the places that she could be, she wanted to be in his presence because she knew his love. And I love what Paul writes in verse 12 through 14. This is what he says. He says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. You see what was happening is that because Jesus had their premier place in Paul's heart, it was actually impacting all of those people around him, that they were more courageous to live for Jesus. And I go through this morning, you know, some of us come here and Jesus doesn't have the, the premier place in our heart. Like we don't love him more than we love everything. We love ourselves more. We love our spouse more. We love our work more. We love whatever it is more. And, and this morning, the, the reason I'm talking about this is, is, is not to condemn us. No, in, in fact, I think the reason Jesus is pointing to this is because he wants to reclaim it. That, that he's, he's helping us understand that the best life is actually living when we give Jesus the best part of our hearts. And so what does it look like for us to move from this place of, of okay, maybe Jesus is on the fringes of my life. How does he become the premier place? You know, I, I encourage you to just bring that to Jesus. Like he knows it. You're not hiding it from him. And, and, and I've found it to be true that so often when I just need something just to come before the Lord and say, Jesus, you are not the one that I love more than anything. But will you help me? 
And I'm telling you guys, it is a prayer that God not only wants to answer, he will answer. You will be amazed at the way, if you consistently pray that and you want that, that God helps you love him more than anything. And I encourage you to, to spend time just reveling in the, the goodness of who Jesus is. You know, when's the last time that you carved out a couple of hours and just read through an entire gospel? Maybe you've never done that before. You know, you think about this, we do it all the time. We'll set aside time to, to watch a movie, even a long movie, right? Or we'll watch, you know, a whole series of Netflix. And I'm going, man, there's something about us, if we're serious about Jesus wanting to have their premier place in our heart, of setting our affection on him. You'll be surprised at what happens when you just give him your full attention. And so what we learn from our brother Paul is if you want to live a selfless life in the face of uncertainty, give Jesus their premier place in your heart. The second thing that we learned from our brother Paul is that he was consistently praying for the people in his path. You know, you see this in verse three, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. And then again in verse nine, he says, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight so that you may be, you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. And, and you see it, this is a letter. He's not just saying, hey, how are you doing? He's praying for them. And it's beautiful and it's powerful. You know, I was thinking about um, when, when, when I've experienced people who pray for me when they're going through hard things. You know, it just kind of hit me this week that Paul's sitting in prison and yet he's thinking about other people. Like how many of you the past few weeks on our kind of miniature lockdown, all of your thoughts have been about you. And yet what you see in Paul is he's sitting in prison and he's not worried about his life. He's going, man, what about the people that I love so much? How are they doing? And, and I believe that this image is actually an invitation for us. I think about my brother Stan Feener. And, you know, Stan, if you don't know him, you need to get to know him. He is an amazing man. And a few years ago, Stan was walking with his wife who was sick and ended up passing away. And tons of energy and tons of time and just so much of his life was spent taking care of his, his wife. And yet every single Sunday morning, I get a text from Stan. Brandon, I'm praying for you. Bring the word this morning. <laughs> I get a text throughout the week, Brandon, I'm praying for Courtney, I'm praying for your kids, I'm praying that you're the, the husband and the man that you need to be and the father that you need to be. And I'm going, man, I look at, at, at his life and the suffering that he's going through and yet he's thinking about other people and there's something about seeing selflessness in the face of uncertainty that speaks to deep places in our souls. Think about my brother-in-law, he's a pastor in Northwest Tennessee and this week I get a text from him and he said, hey man, I know that you're navigating a lot of waters and, and, and um, untraversed territory here. He said, just want you to know I'm praying for you. And I'm going, man, he's a pastor, he's, he's going through this too and, and yet he's thinking about me and isn't it true, man, that, 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 that when you receive someone else's prayer, when you receive someone else's encouragement, it just blesses you immensely. So here's what I wanna invite us to do this week. I wanna encourage you to set aside, maybe it's just 10 minutes this week, and to pray for other people. You know, I can sit down and I can pray for myself all day long. In fact, I have to like really divert my attention to not just pray for me, to pray for my heart, to pray for my sin. It's just like this 30-minute deal of just confessing sin and naming things that I need. And yet, man, what, what I wanna invite us into this week is to set aside time to pray for people in your life that are in your path. You know, when's the last time that, that you set aside time just to pray for your family? or to pray by name for your coworkers, your neighbors, or maybe it's even people in your past. And what we learned from Paul is that there's something really special and powerful about praying. You know, I was reminded this morning of, uh, of a friend that I had that used to live in Nashville, his name was David. And I remember seven, eight years ago, David was a part of our church family. He was a house church leader, college student, just on fire for the Lord. 
And he went through this kind of season where his, his love for the Lord just really um, just left. And he started to give his, all of his time and his energy to pursuing his career, to, to, to making much of himself, to just kind of living this selfish life. And it went on for about two years where he just kind of hid. And, and I remember him telling me that, that for about two years he was running and he got this opportunity to, to go to Texas for this internship. And so he was looking for a place to live. And he remembered that one of his college friends, his parents were from Texas. And so he gets connected with his family and his dad drives him to Texas and, and he's getting settled in his room. He's getting settled in his house. And, and that night he's sitting at the, the table with, um, with his friend's mom and his mom looks at him and says, David, for the past two years, you need to know that every single day I've been praying for you. And he's like, I marginally knew this woman. He said, but there was something about her telling me she's been praying for me that just broke me. And he's like, it, it led to this, literally this moment of me coming back to the Lord. And he's like, I'm talking to you today and I'm, I'm alive in God and I'm back. And, and, I, and I say that because I wanna encourage you. So many of you, man, in February, you prayed prayers for the person that makes your smoothie or the person that sits at the desk of your gym. And, and, and you haven't seen any fruit yet, so you've quit praying. And I wanna encourage you that God hears your prayers. James 5 says that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. And so much of your work that you can be doing right now for the kingdom, is in the private places, interceding for the people in your life that are in your path. You wanna live a selfless life, a place of uncertainty, pray for the people in your path. And the last thing that we learned from our brother Paul is that he was committed to others' progress. I love this in verse 25, what Paul says. He says, I'm gonna continue with all of you for your progress and your joy in the faith. You know, growing up, my favorite sport to play and, and honestly to watch was basketball. And I remember so many uh, nights after dinner, my younger brother Wes and my dad and I, we'd, we'd go outside and we'd shoot hoops. And, and then we'd come inside and I had this like Michael Jordan plastic goal in my room and I'd shoot inside. And, and I just loved basketball. It's still to this day, I love playing. And, and it's really fun. I have three kids and the past couple years, my two oldest kids have started playing basketball. And in this past year, my oldest daughter, Finley, she, um, I got the opportunity to coach her first and second grade girls basketball team, which was amazing. And, and Finley gets the game, you know, she knows how to dribble and she just kind of understands it. It's fun watching her play the game. Um, but I remember the, showing up to the first practice and just kind of asking, hey, how many of you guys have ever played basketball before? And there were three of them, right? And it's like, oh my goodness. Like these girls, they understood the general concept. You take this orange ball and you put it in the basket, but literally they didn't know that you're supposed to go to different sides of the court. They didn't know how to dribble. And, and so I remember, you know, like, we're just gonna start the most basic. We're just gonna dribble with your right hand. And it was crazy how many struggled with that. Dribble with your left hand, struggle with that. And, and, and so, you know, we'd shoot, and so many of them couldn't even get it up to the basket. And, and, and so much of the, the year, honestly, if I'm just being honest, it was just more about frustration. Like, this is so hard, not seeing much progress. And yet, I remember one of the very last games of the year, um, watching this girl who at the very first year was so timid. I mean, literally how timid she was, she would dribble at once and then just like, she didn't know you're supposed to keep pressing it, like just just timid. And and she would shoot it and it would like barely get up to the net. And, and I watched her one of the last games of the year, you know, just dribbling down the court from coast to coast. And and you would have thought she did a 360 dunk. I'm like, yes, like so proud of her. And, and, and the reality is that when you start to be committed to other people's progress, there is so much frustration but the fulfillment of helping other people is so much greater. And as followers of Jesus, if, if we wanna live selfless lives in the wake of Jesus who we're actually following, in the wake of our big brother Paul who we're following, we have to come to this point where we just decide, hey, I'm gonna start giving some of my time and my energy and my resources purely for the good of other people. 
I've seen this in, in my sister, Drew Wilson. You know, Drew's on staff with us, and she's just an amazing woman of God. And, and she and her husband, Dave, Dave's awesome too. Um, they, they've been a part of a, a small group for many, many years now. In fact, they've been a part of a group that um, they've gone through a lot of life together. They've raised their kids together. They've just been through the ups and the downs and the hards of our things of life. And, you know, Drew's, her kids are grown. She's got her first grandkid, and she's got kind of every reason in, in the world to just kind of hold on, to just kind of protect what she has, to think about herself. And yet what I love about Drew is that, you know, every single week, Drew has committed to leading a house church for college girls. Why? because she understands it's about helping others progress. It's not just about you, right? Or, or I, I love our house church leaders. You know, I had the, the joy of leading house churches for many, many years at Ethos, and, 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 and I love it because so many of you, what you're doing is you're going, this isn't just about me, and I wanna give my time and my space and, and, and my life to helping others people progress, and I'm telling you guys, it matters. It makes a difference. Or I think about my friend Gerald, my older brother in the faith, and, and once a month he'll take me to breakfast and, and he'll ask me all the hard questions. <laughs> Are you being a good husband? Are you being a good father? And he doesn't want the, you know, the, he, he wants the real answer. And, and, he, and, he, and he drags me through it because he wants me to succeed. And I'm going, man, why does, why does Gerald do that? Because he gets it. You know, so this morning, man, I wanna really encourage you to begin asking the Lord, God, how can I help out helping how can I begin helping others progress in the faith? Um, you know, maybe you realize this morning that, that you're always waiting on someone else to reach out to you, right? You, and this is, this is gonna come off harsh, but I hope it doesn't mean that way, but you kind of have this poor me attitude that, that you're always waiting for someone to check on you and call on you, and I go, maybe the thing that God's inviting you to do is to turn that, and instead of waiting to be called on, maybe you go, man, who are the people that I need to call? Or one of the things that I've found in this season is just this, this growing, um, this, this desire for what happens when we get to come out of the season. And I go, what I, what I hope that God is, is creating in you, you know, many of you, you've never been with us in a physical gathering. And, and I hope that when we get back together, the very first Sunday you go, you know what, I need to be a part of this body, that, that I'm not in a place ready to help others progress, but I need some people to come alongside of me. And we are here for you. That is the reason the church exists. You know, some of you, you're, you've been in a house church for a while, and, and as you think about what the, the, the rest of the fall and next year looks like, man, we get back together, you go, man, I don't need to just be a part of a house church. I need to start leading a house church. And I wanna just really encourage you in this season that, that God is, is giving us, where we get a lot of time to think and pray, to be asking God, God, how can I help others progress? Not just right now, but in the seasons ahead. And so um, this week, I wanna give us just one practical way to help us live for others' progress. And this is it. Um, in the spirit of Philippians, you know, it's a letter. Um, I wanna encourage you to write a handwritten letter to one person. You know, so maybe it's one of the people that you prayed for um, this week, just someone in your life. But here's what I wanna invite you to do. I wanna invite you to, to write a letter and just tell them how much you love them. Tell them where you've seen God at work in their life. Tell them how they've blessed you and stretched you. And, and, and just think about this. How cool would it be for however many people are watching this week, for every single one of us to send a letter to someone, to in that letter write a prayer. Hey, this is what I'm praying for you this week. You know, if this letter has been blessing people for 2,000 plus years, imagine what your letter could do for someone right? You're not a Bible writer, right? You're not an author of one of the, the letters in the Bible, but, but you have the ability to speak life into someone and you have no idea the way that it's going to propel them into new places of living with God. And so this morning, as, as, we, as we wrap up our time together, 
You know, my prayer is that, is that God would help our selfless living to inspire those around us. This is what you see in Paul. My chains, people are growing up. I go, man, as we endure this season, man, as we, as we endure it, not just thinking about ourselves, but thinking selflessly, what might God do? So we're gonna take communion here and, and I invite you to, to get a piece of bread and get a cup of juice or whatever it is that you're using for communion supplies this morning, goldfish or, or whatever, and, and, and to, to wrestle with this question and, and, and to ask God, God, would you open up my heart and would you open up opportunities this week for me to live selflessly? You know, the reality is that some of you, man, your heart's very closed off. Even as we're talking about this, you're, you're still just kind of thinking about yourself and what you need is for God to come in and to change your heart and ask God to open your heart. But not just ask God to open your heart, ask God for opportunities this week. And I look forward to hearing and seeing the opportunities that God opens up for you, even the little interaction that you have. Maybe it's on a walk or at the grocery store. In all those places, God, open up opportunities for me to live selflessly. It will be amazed to see what God can do. Let me pray for us and then you guys take communion. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for my sisters and my brothers that are scattered all over the city. I pray that your word, God, would bear fruit in our lives. I pray that this word would stick to our hearts, that we would, God, that, that living selflessly would call us out of ourselves, and that we would find delight and joy in helping other people come to know you. And so, Lord, help us to turn the arrows of our heart outward. God, I pray that as we break this bread and drink this cup in all the places that we've failed and we've missed it, God, we know that you're gonna meet us there. This is what your, your, your communion is for. And so, God, we love you and we thank you and we pray, God, that your mercy would lead us to repentance. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.